Cahoots House. All right. August is a month of new. There's new potential teams in the conference. There are new faces being recruited to Houston. There are new things happening in football camp because practice starts today. Practice? Practice? You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast all about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Angels, that are breaking down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who can't by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can lay us on the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It is good to see you again. Remember, every 250 subscribers, we're giving away a gift. Uh, that gift we're giving away the next one is a Locked On Cougs hat. Locked on Coop's hat. A um, couple different colors and options. Make sure you subscribe down below to uh, get us to fifteen hundred to give us uh, that give to give someone that giveaway. And if after all of this, your head is spinning because hey, I generally talk kind of fast, so I'm sorry if you need to slow it down. But also, uh, lots of stuff to cover today. You don't necessarily know what to talk about. Make sure you tell us your favorite Justin Verlander memory as a Houston Astro in honor of him being traded back to the Astros. Just yesterday all right so a couple things to get into today one we're talking about the latest pac-12 news because there was a big meeting for them on uh monday uh so why that may kind of drag out things that happen next it might not be as fast as people might like second i want to talk about recruiting a giant recruit signed with uh the Houston cougars on monday uh with the opening of or sorry tuesday i'm saying monday I keep meaning i mean tuesday uh anyway uh with the uh with the commitment of a certain person, I think more will follow very soon, but 2025 is off to a good start. Uh, and then last, we're going to ask some questions about camp. Uh, and I want to kind of have dialogue back and forth about questions and things to pay attention to as football practices start today. But first, the news at the top of the hour, and the news at the top of every hour, I'm sure, across the Big 12 is the Pac-12 update because the Pac-12 may be in dire straits and we're finding out more and more about that as things go. Remember, we're focusing on this as Houstonians and as U of H fans because when Houston is in this conference, this Big 12 conference and dollars and cents are adding up, um, it's not just the $31.7 million on the TV deal that we get starting in 2025 or things like that. You get units based on how well other teams play, so adding good athletic programs bolsters the conference, adding bowl games, adding March Madness units, Adding those kinds of things helps Houston in the long run. It also will help specifically with Houston's strength of schedule when they're trying to do things like qualify for the college football playoff and those kinds of things as well. It also will have to do with future scheduling and recruiting grounds and so on and so forth. So these things do tie into Houston very directly. I know it feels like we talk about the Pac-12 or the Big 12 a lot, but realistically, these things do tie into Houston, and it is interesting to see how Houston has very quickly become a big player in this. In fact, later this week, we may talk, there was a, an article written, it wasn't just like a blog site, talking about, like, does Houston look like they're going to join the SEC in 2031? We'll see, right? But for now, Houston's in the Big 12, and the big news is after Colorado came to the Big, decided to come into the Big 12 very soon, they just announced that last week, with a Pac-12 media deal previously unannounced, what do the rest of the schools think? The Pac-12 is down to nine teams, right? Um, 
On Tuesday, they met, and George Klyavkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, apparently presented to uh, presidents and ADs, representatives from the universities, the various different options they had um, as media rights deals. Apparently, there were multiple options, but the leading candidate in the clubhouse, uh, which I think speaks a lot to said clubhouse, was a deal that was primarily streaming on Apple TV, TV essentially moving the Pac-12 network to Apple TV in an effort to um, grow that property, uh, both Apple TV and Pac-12 network. Now, it's worth pointing out that while no one has officially put out a low number, a minimum number each school would get, the reported estimate would be that schools, all schools in the uh, Pac-12, I guess currently nine conference, would get somewhere at a minimum in the low $20 million range, right? Escalators for lots of subscribers and things like that could help elevate that number and admittedly even the most pessimistic person said that number could elevate with a like giant influx of apple subscribers could elevate to above 31.7 million that all big 12 schools would get as a minimum from their tv rights deal however that's a very small possibility and it doesn't feel like schools are leaving that meeting very optimistic um the biggest player I think right now to pay attention to is Arizona. Um, Arizona's president did say earlier in 2023 that these conversations are about the money, um, that the deal is the school needs to do its best for itself financially. We also know that the state of Arizona has said that U of A and Arizona State do not have to move together, right? Uh, some states prefer their major public institutions stay together on these kinds of things. Some don't care, right? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is staying in the Big 12. Oklahoma's going to the SEC. Iowa, Iowa's in the Big 10. Iowa State is in the Big 12, right? Florida's got Miami, Florida, Florida State. Is, I guess Miami's private school, right? You get your, catch my drift. In other states, right, like in Alabama, Alabama and Auburn are going to be in the same conference for eternity. Mississippi and Mississippi State are going to be the same conference for eternity, right? Some states care a lot. Arizona has said that they, as a state, don't care. Uh, so Arizona is free to do whatever it wishes on its own behalf. Uh, Arizona is a great athletic program, both in football and basketball, as far as Power 5 goes to add. Um, obviously, in the Big 12 being a great ba basketball conference, being good at both matters. Um, and so with Arizona saying that they want to do this for the money, or they want to find the one that's the most money, having no definitive money answer out of the Pac-12 kind of hurts them. It's not that they necessarily won't have more than $31.7 million, but it's like they probably won't. It looks like that, right? Um, Arizona leaving would be the fourth exodus from the Pac-12 in the last 12 months with no additions to the conference. And likely that would be the nail in the proverbial coffin here. Um, and so President Robbins of Arizona kind of has to think about that as they go through this. Um, but we also have from a CBS report earlier in 2023 President Robbins kind of scoffed the idea of even streaming 50% of their games. The idea that a best option media network would be, or option would be putting out most of their games on streaming is not great. Um, for what it's worth, this puts like the Pac-12 at like an MLS TV level. And obviously like Messi elevated that some, but the, the MLS, even with Messi is not doing the same kind of, numbers i mean the first messy the messy games individually might they're also very being very much illegally streamed because people don't want to pay for apple tv but the the truth is is that puts it more like the mls which is like not even the fourth major american professional sport whereas college football was competitive with the nba and a bad nfl game as far as tv ratings go at the very least and so that just doesn't feel like the best thing that they could do 
Um, if you're Arizona, have the option to do other things. Um, now, Pete Thamel reported, and I think it makes plenty of sense, that this will take a few days to be agreed upon if it is agreed upon or if Arizona and those guys bolt. Um, and I say those guys because I don't think Arizona would leave alone, right? Part of the deal is putting the nail in the coffin is a big step for a president of university, and they don't probably... I'm assuming based on things that I've read that they don't want to do that on their own or else they might have done it already. Um, so that this may kind of with coordination and talks and crunching numbers take some time over the next couple of days and maybe weeks. Um, Thamel as a lead reporter on this and he's not alone, but he's the biggest name. And so I think it's pointing out like that's, that's the name behind this uh, does think that Arizona and Utah and potentially an Arizona state or some other school may be coming along uh, all together geographically those four corner schools as they've been dubbed match up with BYU, Colorado and Lubbock, Lubbock, Texas being not much farther away from those schools than like, you know, it's not much farther from Tucson to Lubbock than it would be from Tucson to Seattle. Right. So like <laughs> it's not, a, it's, if anything, it's a shorter flight to Lubbock. And so like those kinds of things I think do matter if geography matters at all, I think, and this is where I'll leave it in looking at this because I'm sure there'll be more news on this in the coming days and weeks. There are a couple Things to point out that did and did not happen. Of the nine schools that were in this meeting with George Klyavkov, which school, president, AD, or whatever, came out and exclaimed that was a home run sales pitch? None. No one did that, right? No one came out excited about what the Pac-12 was doing or what is next to the Pac-12. Uh, what other conference of the Power Five conferences is going to exclusively streaming in 2025? None. None of the Power Five is doing that. They're sticking with basic television with streaming options, obviously, right? If none of the other Power Five are doing it, why is this Power Five doing it, right? Um, now, when you look at like how things could go, uh, does it look like the Pac-12 deal is going to get better as a conference? As is a media deal? Is a media company going to throw them more money? as a conference that has lost three schools and in losing those three schools, they've lost the city of Los Angeles, the city of Denver and Deion Sanders, which was a major selling point in this, at least in the immediate future. I don't see a whole lot of media companies just throwing a bunch of money that very quickly. Right now, the big 12 could theoretically add Arizona, Washington and Oregon and get up to 12 States and actually be the big 12 States. And that's an interesting concept. I think for the conference moving forward, I don't know where the teams go if the Pac-12 dissolves. I do know there's some like instantly bylaws, but there being a fifth conference in this, that, and the other thing. So you may have um, some elevation of other things or what have you. Um, but by and large, I don't think this thing works. And I don't think that thing works. And I, I think that, hmm, and not trying to put too much of a spin on it and sticking with what is factual based in news and then wrapping it up, Let's just say that the Pac-12 will look a lot different, even than it is currently constructed in a couple of years. And that impacts Houston because Houston is a new player in the Big 12 game, a new player in the Power 5 game. And it does not look like they're the only new person moving around here. Uh, it's going to be nice to play some new teams. And you may play new teams each of the next few seasons. Now, I want to talk some about recruiting and the recruits coming to the University of Houston uh, and the 2025s and all of that and who Houston is adding to their team. But I also need to point out that if 
you're looking for new hires, much like adding a new recruit to your program. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. If you can find the son of a great quarterback or the son of a great I don't know, person at your place of work to come in and do the job with the, you know, day one training of a professional that they've had their entire life. Think about like being like taught a you know, craft from a young age. You should hire that person. You should do it at a place like LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs, which you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. It's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, I said I want to talk some in the second segment about recruiting um, because, if you don't know, 2025 recruiting or rising juniors, so in this year, the class of 2025, uh, can officially be uh, communicated with by schools on August 1st. That is to say that schools can make the initial communication. They don't have to wait for the kid to call them or say, hey, tell that high school coach, tell that, right, those kinds of things. They can make the initial reach out to a kid and his family on August 1st of the kids' junior season, right? So August 1st was a big day for the 2025s, and Houston landed a big name in Jamison Kitna. Now, Jamison Kitna sounds familiar because he's the son of John Kitna, an NFL quarterback, a longtime NFL quarterback. Um, now, Kitna, I think, technically is now in Middleton, Ohio, uh, but he was in Burleson, Texas for his freshman and sophomore season. He's a good dual-threat quarterback, uh, some places have him as a four-star, some places have him as a three-star. Um, and I love, in reading stuff about him already, that his biggest factor in choosing Houston, he's already committed to Houston, right? Day one, committed to Houston, August 1st, 2023, as a 2025 graduate. His biggest thing he likes about Houston is that he feels connected with the city and school because of how early the U of H was on him, right? Now, that's great. That's fantastic. But what's awesome about Kitna signing now is, A, I'm high on the upside of a kid that's Dow's NFL quarterback. And he's currently playing quarterback because Kitna, John Kitna was not the type of quarterback that was a quarterback so long ago that he doesn't, like, remember how to play it in a modern sense, right? Um, Kitna's just 50 years old. Uh, he was playing in the 2000s. Like, he was on the Lions and the Bengals. Um, I'd forgotten until doing some stuff for this that he had a couple cents with the Cowboys somewhere in there too. Like, um, Kitna is a guy that understands modern football, is what I'm saying. He's not some guy that played in the 80s or turned on hand the football to Earl Campbell, right? He also understands like the modern training in football and those kind of things and is involved in youth and uh, middle school, high school football as a as a coach and so you also know that he's got his son out there working with some of the best the best kind of the same not quite the same but like there's a like steph curry was around, around pro shooting coaches his whole life growing up and so he's always been a great shooter now he had to put in the work i'm not saying he didn't but like that helps a lot right um kit now i'm not saying is the steph curry of playing quarterback but the same kind of thing when you're around pro football all the time you're around great training and you hear the right things from a young young age Further, what I like about this is it's not just a kid that is around great football at a young age, but it's also a kid in a very important position. So the entire 2025 class, and perhaps some of those people on the fence in 2024, know that a good quarterback will be on campus with them if they commit to Houston. So I think that's important to know that like receivers, 
have a good idea of a guy that will, could be or very likely end up show, throwing them the football in 2025, 6, 7, etc. Right? Linemen know who will be they'll be blocking for in 2025, 6, and 7. Right? Uh, similarly, defenses know that, hey, their offense is going to put up some points if this guy's at quarterback in 2025, 6, 7, and so on. And I think that's why the it's not just that they had a, a commitment of a great football player on August 1st. It's that they got a commitment out of a football player at a key position to build the class around. Further, while we talk in the third segment, some camp questions about Lucas Coley and Donovan Smith, it's not like, hmm, let's just say those guys will be either at the end of their Houston career or on to the next thing by the time that uh, Kitna is on campus. And so I don't think you have a whole lot of this guy or that guy kind of conversations when it happens. Now, when I look at other guys, and these are names to keep track of, I, I count about a dozen guys via social media that heard from Houston on August 1st, 2025. Now, Houston is targeting more than a dozen guys. And frankly, just logistically, there's just only so many, so much reaching out you can do if you're having in-depth conversations with these kids and seeing some of them in person and all like all of that, right? And so I don't mean to say that they're only looking at 12 guys. I don't mean to say either that there aren't better guys out there or more very talented guys out there that Houston will talk to in the coming days and weeks, or that they somehow don't want those guys to talk. That's not the case. But we have confirmation based on some things that come out on social media, but being contacted that some very talented football players, a lot of them in the Houston area, the U of H has reached out to and already made contact with on August 1st, 2023. So uh, the list is Ja'Cory Watson. He's a four-star athlete from Shadow Creek High School. Tori Blaylock, Blaylock's probably a familiar name, yeah, uh, is a four-star running back out of Humble, Texas. Educaden Ferguson's a four-star receiver at Fort Bend Marshall, and I'm betting based on tweets he had about Kitna as a receiver, he may commit very soon. So keep an eye on Jacaden Ferguson. Uh, Jaden Perez, a four-star receiver at San Antonio. Chase Sims is a 305-pound. I'm not sure based on looking at his recruiting stuff, be a defense lineman or offensive lineman, but he tagged Brian early in some of his recruiting things and. I don't know if that's a regionality thing or a position thing. So I could imagine how he thinks he's a nose tackle, maybe ends up being a guard. Maybe he comes to campus and let him work out for a year or two as a red, figure out red shirts and that kind of stuff. And then he ends up turning himself into whatever future pro he wants to turn himself into. But he's a highly touted guy at 305 pounds as a rising junior. Um, Joseph Sims, a three-star athlete out of Legacy Sports of Sciences. Um, they also got uh, Sa- uh, Samuel James, who's like a bigger athlete, like a 6'1", 230 athlete out of the same Legacy Sports of Sciences, uh, Legacy School of Sports Sciences. Uh, they got Copeland Winfont, the linebacker to Crosby they talked to. Carmelo Brooks is a defensive lineman from Katy. Trent Spence is a linebacker or edge rusher from Klein. And then Andrew Marsh was an all-district wide receiver at Katy last year um a number of different guys that houston has talked to already in the um 2025 class and i think in building that class that's interesting because these kids will come in and they'll be on campus they'll only know u of h campus with that giant new football facility they'll only know u of h that is playing the big 12 they'll only know all those things right as this program is growing right this is the group of kids that will only know houston as that program so as we build this to a great program in the very new future using all the d uh the, the power five resources 
that uh, are at our disposal now. These kids will be the first group that can show up and take advantage of them from day one. I think that's really, really important. Um, and I think that Jamison Kitna being the first domino is going to be crucial in seeing how those things go. Now, I said in the third segment, I talk some about the kids currently on campus because they start practice today. Uh, now, let's talk to some in the third segment about questions I have as camp begins, and we'll be unraveling a lot of these in a lot more depth over the course of the coming days and weeks. But let's just jump on in, right? The first overarching question is going to be the quarterback. Now, at media day, it did seem like Dana was quick to point out that Donovan Smith kind of has earned an edge, right? He's a giant, strong athlete, a dual threat quarterback. They saw up close and in person last year. Um, but we also know that Dana Holgerson said at media days that they're going to have a competition up until they have to make a decision because, frankly, after doing some talking and some soul searching on this with guys close to the program, including alumni Case, like I mean, Case Keenum and Holgerson are very close. And uh, we know that obviously that elevated coach's role the first time he was in Houston, right? Kind of launched the rest of his career. Uh, might owe a lot to Case, frankly. Um, Case said, let the two compete. And the, the idea was let the competition bring out the best in Donovan and Lucas. I'm not writing off Lucas Coley as a guy competing for this position. I think is like Donovan Smith, I think has it. I think if you were going to play a game tomorrow, it probably has Donovan Smith out there at the very start. And even if Lucas got the start, I think there are packages you have to run at the goal line that utilize the dual threat that Donovan Smith is. However, um, Lucas is a guy that's been around the program for an extra year, and he is a composed, poised young man. You go back and watch the high school tape of San Antonio, that kid can sling the football. He is fearless. He's a great competitor. I think those things play in the quarterback position, even if he's a smaller guy, even if he is you know, not the highly touted transfer. Uh, you know, he didn't get on the field when he was in Arkansas before transferring to Houston, where Donovan Smith started and beat teams like Texas and Houston, right? Like, I get I, I get why there's more pub around Donovan, but there's going to be something in that competition worth following. Not the only competition worth following. I would point out that uh, I'm going to be watching who is in the first group of DBs and the first group of wide receivers on the field at a time. Uh, in the DB, the defensive backfield, you have a lot of new names. Isaiah, Humph Isaiah Hamilton, Latrell McCutcheon, uh, Hogan, uh, George, uh, Juwan Gasson, A.J. Halsey, Fleming Brooks, Guzman, no, Guzman, like lots of different guys and options than were back there a year ago. And certainly compared to two years ago, and then the great defense and went 12-2. and two. And I am really, really high on Isaiah Hamilton. I'm going to keep saying that. I'm really, really high on A.J. Halsey. I'm going to keep saying that. I'm telling you that you're going to know a lot more about Jawan Gaston by the end of the year, right? But DBs rotate. They'll all get to play. The first group they put out there is the group that Doug Belk and uh, the staff feel like are their best options. I'm intrigued to see, as camp goes on, what the top end of that depth chart looks like with the DBs because I do think they go about six guys, seven guys that can really get on the field at the Big 12 level, and so we'll see who they put out there, right? I feel very similarly about the wide receiver, if not more strongly about the wide receivers, because we know with Iman Yagavi, they're going to probably have a tight end, a lot of 11 personnel. That's a one running back, one tight end set. We might even see some 12 personnel. We have a running back, two tight end set. Um, Michael Laughlin, I feel like, is a very highly 
a regarded guy, Matt Barnes, uh, Burns, Barnes, B-Y-R-N-S, but I've, I've heard it said both ways. Uh, tell me down below how you phonetically would say it. Um, but I think he had kind of has the edge as the second tight end. Um, and you can see some two tight end sets again with what Nagabi wants to do in the run game. So we'll see there. As far as the wide receivers go around that, there's not a whole lot of spots when you have tight ends in the field and you've got to kind of figure out where to play. Matthew Golden, Joseph Manjack, Samuel Brown, uh, Josh Cobbs, Avon Johnson, Peyton Sawyer. You also have freshmen coming in like Mikhail Harrison Pyle and Jacoby Banks, Jonah Wilson. All of a sudden, there aren't enough spots. And so who gets how many reps? Who gets put in what spots? Because we know Matthew Golden's going to get a lot of balls, right? We know that uh, Joseph Manjack, if he can stay healthy, is going to be a big, strong target. Maybe even a quasi kind of tight end, kind of wide receiver type guy, right? So those kinds of things are important. Um, and then my last big question goes to the defensive line. Not because I have any questions in the effectiveness. Obviously, we all have faith in Sac Avenue and one coach, Brian Early. I do wonder, though, do they start Nelson Caesar as more of a three technique and go with three pass rushers on the field as they enter the Power Five and as they play a pass half? I mean, it's not quite the 2012 Big 12 Conference, but a very pass-happy conference. Um, and frankly, when you don't have the same kind of beef as some other schools, you just go all in on pass rushing and just get really good at what you're good at. Um, and they could play Gwegbu, Caesar, and Brandon Mack all at once. Do you rotate those three at the two edge spots and have Dot playing the one nose tackle that I feel fairly confident in, but then have like a Cedric Williams, a Talik Robbins, Justin Beadle, who plays a three technique if you only have two traditional pass rushers on the field at once. Um, and then frankly, in doing all of that, do you alleviate and where you know Dot Dot's gonna get double team every play? He should, he's really good, he's a nose tackle, that's his job, and he does it very, very well. Right? Do you find some ways to scheme forcing teams to turn a sixth guy into a blocker and force other double teams? Or what do you do defensively uh, to bend what the other teams are doing? Now, those are questions I have as practice gets started today on the football program. I'm sure you remember that on Tuesday night, the basketball program had their red and white scrimmage and also have a lot of questions that left to be answered. On tomorrow's episode, we'll have... Chris uh, uh, Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Review. He'll come on and talk to us about his perceptions and what he saw in the game. We'll get a little back and forth about what the team looks like as they head on their trip to Australia. That's tomorrow's episode. Uh, now we're trying to get some more information as far as things go in football camp to talk more about that. And whatever Pac-12 uh, news happens between now and Friday. So it's a packed week here at Locked on Cougs. And thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode of this packed week of Locked on Cougs. Remember, I say hashtag everydayer. If you throw a comment down below with hashtag everydayer on it, we will find a way to try and answer it throughout the show. So make sure you hit hashtag everyday when you leave a question down below. Thanks so much for getting to this point in the show and remembering to do that. Thank you all so much for being Locked on Cougs, your first listen of the day. For a second listen, I'm recommending Locked on Astros. Because of the Justin Verlander news, so make sure you go check them out as well. They're doing a great job over there. Locked on Cougs is a private Locked on Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go Cougs. So the background's getting better. I think the background's better. I think the background's getting better. All right. Anyway, we'll see. Go Cougs. <laughs>